Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Insert Coin Theater podcast. I'm your host, Tim, and today we're going to be talking about quite a doozy of topics, and I think it'll be interesting to get into. It's something that I've had an interest in as to its origins, what it means, and kind of how it's come about. And we're going to be talking about get good culture, toxicity, and sexism in gaming. So that said, let's get started. So I know that we've got some pretty heavy topics this episode, and I'm going to come at them from my own perspective and the things that I think that we can try to do to make it better. And if you have any thoughts after this episode or or while listening to me blather on, please feel free to suggest it over on my Twitter. Uh, You can find me at insertcointim. You can always email me at insertcointheater at gmail.com or just find me in my live stream on Mixer at mixer.com slash insertcointheater. I'd love to have a chat with you. It's very difficult to have chats like that in the context of a live stream, but if you would like to give your thoughts, it'd be great to have them, and I'd love to pass them along and share, uh, possibly share what uh, your thoughts and feelings are when the next episode rolls around. So that said... Why don't we go ahead and dive right in, because our first half of our episode here, we're going to be talking about specifically get good or get good culture and toxicity. And of course, uh, something that goes hand in hand with that is tribalism. So this entire episode kind of came as a suggestion from Ginger L. Thank you, L and Slowblow. So thank you, Slowblow. These both. Mainly the sexism in gaming came from both of them. However, it all kind of ties together in a lot of ways. So it's very, very interesting to me. So let's go ahead and dive in to what get good culture is. And it's spelled G-I-T space G-U-D. And for those of you who have never heard of get good culture, it's a term used by some gaming groups unironically. It's not even used. Some people use it as a as a joke insult to make fun of these people, but We're talking about the unironic usage, the intentional usage to tell a person that they need to get better at a game, usually by an unusually high time investment. Generally, it's used as a way to put people down, other players who may not have put as much time into a game or have as much skill as another player. And it's used in a very derogatory and condescending manner. And it originates from the Dark Souls, the... Uh, Demon Souls, uh, Bloodborne kind of franchise of games that spawned, but it's used to apply to a lot of different games, usually games that are hard for hard's sake, uh, or as I like to call them, Nintendo hard. If you remember the very old Nintendo games that were extremely difficult, there were no save points. And as a kid, you would almost destroy controllers in frustration because of how extremely difficult they were but we didn't have the technology to have save points. So it kind of was how it was and you dealt with it. And nowadays those kind of games are made intentionally. No save points or limited save points, extremely hard levels, very difficult platforming, etc., etc. It's games where 
the intention is for people to be extremely skilled to beat it. And generally speaking, when you have to be skilled at something, you have to have a time investment of some sort. I experience uh, this get good culture a lot, and I like to call it get good as uh, Jim Sterling likes to call it because I find it pretty hilarious that he mocks it in such a way. And so I call it get good sometimes. And I've experienced this a lot as a variety streamer. I play a huge array of games from games that are your general shooters to simulations and the like. And the only times that I really experience these things is when I'm either playing competitive shooters and I'm getting trounced by other players or if I'm playing one of these Nintendo hard kind of games. So for for a, for an example of my own experience, a little anecdotal evidence here is whenever I was playing Dark Souls on stream, I was playing that as a thank you for 100 subscribers on the channel. The um, the people came out of the woodwork for it uh, to tell me that I'm bad and to tell me to get good and to more or less crap all over my experience of the game. And it's just a very interesting thing that people I've never met before would come in and tell me that I'm bad at a game and tell me to get good at it when it was the first time I've played it and I'd been playing for less than an hour. So it's fascinating to kind of dig into this and see how people kind of use it as a way to gatekeep as it were to force people to kind of fit in their own box, their own viewpoint of how a game should be played. You need to put more time in. You need to get better at learning the patterns. All of this results in a bigger time investment that, in my opinion, is a little ridiculous. And this is just me spitballing, but it's a little ridiculous to require your players to learn exactly how to do something uh, to progress a story. Now, from my point of view, uh, I, as a variety streamer, I play a huge breadth of games. I rarely beat games. I tend to do a lot of first look type things where I'm introducing people to a brand new game or a game maybe nobody's ever seen before or revisiting an old game from the past for that nostalgia hit. And I rarely intentionally go in to beat a game or to get really skilled at a game. And for somebody in my shoes, it's a little unfair to expect me to sink time of my stream or my personal time outside of stream, which I've had suggested before as well, to expand my abilities in a game uh, that I my interest is purely academic. It's not even an interest in beating the game. And let me tangent here a bit. But in my view, these games lock content behind a difficulty wall. It's no different than a time gate for unlocking characters a la Rainbow Six Siege. And it's no different than uh, time gates in mobile games, except the the time gate here is skill as well. You have to invest time to get good at the game, learn the patterns, learn how everything works to be able to beat it and expand on the story that you owe so you you really want and that aside game commentary aside we're talking about the people i'm trying to focus myself here these get good folks are the kind that will intentionally ruin your fun just so that they can get their jollies and have this smug sense of superiority so the get good mentality 
is harmful because it prevents expansion of a specific type of game, usually these Nintendo hard kind of games. And it discourages people from even engaging or trying to be part of the game's community. Because if I had been playing Dark Souls for the first time and I was really interested in learning how to play it and beat the game, like even with its all its difficulties in hand, Somebody coming in and telling me to get good and belittling the efforts I was putting in would absolutely turn me off from any interest in playing that series again. And I feel like it's very. That's not. That's that's not atypical, (laughs) and it's it's very difficult for me to fathom why anybody would not encourage somebody to join their community and. There's a very good reason for that, and it it wraps into toxicity, tribalism, and gatekeeping, and I'll be diving into those right now. So ultimately, these three things, toxicity, gatekeeping, tribalism, they all wrap into one terrible package to exclude people from enjoying the things that these people like. And please note, this is all generalized, but... You'll know what I'm saying when you hear the definition. So someone who is toxic is said to be extremely harsh, malicious or harmful, according to Merriam-Webster. And generally, these people are. Causing damage to the causes that they represent, whether it's intentionally or unintentionally. And to be fair, some of these folks don't realize that they're doing it. They don't know that what they're doing harms the community of the game that they're trying to do. Some people do. Some people know full well what they're doing and they try to exclude people actively because it's their club. So I found a very interesting theory. Uh, My wife, Recky, actually mentioned it to me. So I went ahead and looked it up and there was a fandoms have one percent toxic fans theory. And it was posted by somebody named cancerously on Tumblr. It says basically. The 1% theory dictates that in every fandom, on average, 1% of the fans will be a pure, unsalvageable tire fire. We're talking the people who do physical harm over their fandom, who start riots, cannot be talked down. The sorts of things public news stories are made of. We're not talking necessarily bad fans here. We're talking people who take this thing so seriously, they're willing to start a goddamn fistfight over nothing. The worst of the worst. And this expands to me less into the willing to start a fist fight, but willing to completely destroy what semblance of interest people have in their community uh, over protecting some mystical skill level of sorts. So let's, let's dig into this, this uh, fandoms have 1% toxic fans theory. This is, this is where it gets fun. Okay. So let's just take gaming as a whole. All right. So let's let's not exclude uh, let's not focus in on very specific games. Let's just do gaming in general. okay? because there is a generalized gaming community. you got to admit it's a thing. It exists. People identify as gamers, whether you like the tag or not. If you play video games, you can be considered a gamer of sorts. It is just a label. Let's not dig too much into whether you identify with that label or not. Let's just assume that that means anybody who plays games approximately. 1.2 billion people play games worldwide, whether they identify as a gamer or not is debatable, as I said, but we can extrapolate this as our base number at 1%. As the theory suggests, that means there are 12 million toxic video game players. 
which are people who perpetuate that abhorrent side of gaming that we hate so much. This get good culture, this gatekeeping and tribalism. Okay, now that I've mentioned gatekeeping and tribalism, let's talk about those. So tribalism and gatekeeping are very similar to each other. They're, they, they are intertwined almost uh, completely. So tribalism is at the core here, I think. Tribalism is defined by Merriam-Webster as loyalty to a tribe or other social group, especially when combined with a strong negative feeling for people outside the group. So generally, tribalism is a sense of belonging to a group. And in most cases, gaming in general or a specific subset of gaming or game communities as they were, uh, whether it be a particular game or that game's uh, actual community because some people actually get devoted to a game's community outside of the game take uh, destiny for example a lot of destiny people do not like the game or where it's gone and some of the things that bungie's done but they love the community and they stay involved with it and i'm not saying the destiny community is toxic i'm just giving that as an example of what tribalism is like so often these groups can have a subset of people who buy into this tribalism so deeply that they have an intense and often irrational dislike of other groups. So let's get a little deeper with that. This stems from early human development, which many scientists believe we developed as small pockets of people or tribes. And you probably have heard of that. Uh, Native Americans uh, formed tribes uh, and the like. They hunted together. They survived together. They bonded while protecting each other from external threats, including other tribes. So psychologically, it plays into that whole protecting your own tribe, which is your your fandom or your community against other communities for whatever reason. It, 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 it involves some kind of a psychological need to deflect people from your community to keep it the way it is because you like it the way it is. Now, let's talk about gatekeeping. Gatekeeping is defined by the Collins Dictionary as the practice of controlling access to information, advanced levels of study, elite, uh, excuse me, elite sections of society, etc. Gatekeeping is the practice of excluding others by setting specific or arbitrary requirements for inclusion into that group or tribe, if we're talking tying it to tribalism. So as you look at gatekeeping, gatekeeping is the, the, the method for keeping people from joining. It's that get good culture. Somebody comes into a stream where they're not good at a game, they're new to it, and they say, get good, you'll never be good, you're a scrub, you're a noob, and that is discouraging, and that is a form of gatekeeping. Generally speaking, the response they desire is for you to go, well, I'm going to get good. And then you get get good, quote unquote, and join their tribe. That's the whole idea. It's a bit of like hazing or a ritual involved in getting somebody to join your tribe. It's a very primitive way of doing that. It's a very interesting psychological way of doing that. And it's it's very old fashioned and very old news. It's been around since the beginning of time. It doesn't make it acceptable because we've evolved past that at this point. However, it is what it is. So I run all these definitions and this onslaught of terminology to you because it relates to the same core problem, which is the need of people to feel superior, or have exclusive clubs that they belong to. So for these Nintendo hard games, it's the expectation that everyone can be good at these games. But they can't. 
and not everyone can sink the time and energy into a game that someone else has. Personally, it's not possible for me because I'm a variety streamer and my community expects a level of variety. So I play a huge array of games, which means that I never get good at them. Jack of all trades, master of none, simply put. So unfortunately, it's this negative gatekeeping that is preventing the growth of many communities, including gaming as a whole, because of this negative behavior perpetuated by these stereotypical tribal gaming fanboys, whether it be a specific game or the community in general. So let's talk about a potential remedy. How can we remedy this? Well, in my point of view, the remedy is simple. Don't be a dick. Ascertaining others' intentions, such as whether they plan to actually get good at the game, if they plan to not be a noob, they plan to dedicate the time and do really well and put those hours in. Once you find out that that's their plan, that's a good starting spot. If they plan on keep uh, keeping going, then encourage them. Tell them you're doing great. Maybe you could try this. Ask if they want input and maybe help them to grow and get better rather than just telling them to get good, which is not helpful or uh, an improvement in any regard. It is not constructive feedback. Remember, constructive feedback is a good thing. Rather than demonizing someone for trying to invade this game that others are good at and find enjoyable, maybe you can just encourage them and give them positive reaction and positive reinforcement. Positive reinforcement works much better. You know that saying, you catch more flies with honey than vinegar? It's pretty true. And I don't know, maybe consider just being quiet. One of the things that I have noticed is that Oftentimes, people feel the need to inject their feedback when it's not solicited or wanted. Your opinion doesn't necessarily always have its place. You can have your opinion, but keep it to yourself unless it's asked for. And I think that's at the core of this. If somebody says, hey, I'm trying to get good at Dark Souls. Can somebody help me? Then you're welcome to come in and give that constructive feedback and try to help them get better. It's when you start tearing them down. It's when you start injecting your opinion in unwanted places that people turn off from these communities. A little less negativity isn't going to hurt anything. It's actually going to make the world a better place. So the gaming community is so full of toxicity and gatekeeping. It's incredible, but the change starts with us. And as gamers, we have to stand up for the right way to handle it. And it's not being a dick. As they say, be the change that you want to see in the world. We're the one thing in life we can control. So let's control ourselves and treat other people the way that we'd want to be treated. Remember that golden rule. So before we jump into sexism in gaming, yay, that's going to be a big one. We're going to go ahead and have a very short pause where I would normally insert a an advertisement but uh, it'll be a little advertisement for potential sponsors. So if you're listening and you uh, sponsor a product or what have you, have them reach out to the email that I mentioned and uh, get back to me. I'd appreciate hearing from you. We'll be back in just a minute. Hey there, my name is Tim, the host of the Insert Coin Theater podcast. Did you know that by sponsoring the ICT podcast, your product will be advertised to dozens and potentially hundreds of listeners? More yet, your product could be broadcast live to hundreds of viewers four nights a week during my live streams. 
Here's your chance to get in at the ground level with a new and exciting show. Reach out to me at insertcointheater at gmail.com and let's talk about how we can bring your product to hundreds or even thousands of potential new customers. Once again, reach out to me at insertcointheater at gmail.com. It's time for the most exciting topic and probably the reason that you guys are all here. Let's talk sexism in gaming, yeah? This one is quite fun because I recently had a brush in with some interesting sexist remarks during my live stream of Battlefield 5, and we'll get into that in a minute. I'd like to preface by saying that as a male who is cisgendered, heterosexual, I have not experienced anything as to what marginalized groups have experienced. And I speak not from experience outside of what I have seen and what I have researched. And so I hope that if any of my information is incorrect here or uh, found to be in fault, please let me know. You can let me know on Twitter, let me know on Discord, however you wish to know. Just let me know. I'm I'm more than okay to change my views. I just need to be told in a constructive way, please, that what I have is in error and I would love to review and I will provide a retraction in a later episode if it is found to be an error. So that said, let's dig in, I guess. Is that the right term for something this heavy? I I feel like this is a very, very heavy topic, but I don't know. It's very early in this reboot of the show to be talking about this, but I don't really care that it's early I mean, I I want to set a proper tone for the ICT podcast that pretty much says that when it comes to sexism, racism, homophobia, transphobia, I personally do not stand for any of it. And I will speak out against it every in every avenue that I possibly can. That is a reasonable place to do it. And it seems that more and more the reasonable place to do it is becoming. Here in my content. So anyways, I would definitely like to go ahead and dig into this and you'll just have to bear with me if any of my information is a little wonky, however you want to look at it. So let's start off by saying that female gamers are generally targeted for more frequently for harassment than their male counterparts. And we're talking male and female. Unfortunately, I don't really have a lot of experience or information about people anywhere else on the gender spectrum. So you'll have to forgive me there. That said, we'll just be talking solely about male, female. If you fall into closer to one of those categories or the other, please consider yourself in that group. That said. A 2015 study was done uh, and published in PLOS one by Michael M. Kasumovic or Kasumovic and Jeffrey H. Kuznikov. And it showed that a large chunk of harassment targeted at female players was directly caused by underperformance of the male players in a competitive online game. I'm not surprised. The study showed that male players who underperformed in online matches of Halo 3 were more hostile towards teammates with a female voice, but more submissive towards male voices. So the authors theorized that in terms of evolutionary psychology, female-initiated disruption, and I'm I'm quoting here, so female-initiated disruption of a male hierarchy incites hostile behavior from poor-performing males who stand to lose the most status, end quote. 
due to the perception of loss of status and emasculation, and I'm using that in quotes by females, the male players who underperformed often directed vitriol in their direction. So they were feeling emasculated because they were outperformed by a female. So this actually has a lot to do with evolutionary psychology in many, many ways. And that has to do with a the traditional gender roles of your caveman kind of mentality. The, the males were the hunters and gatherers and the females stayed back and tended the cave or what have you. I'm not saying I agree with it. I'm just saying that's what I have read. That said, that is the reason that our primal brains tend to lay into this very easily. And again, we've evolved to the point where that's no longer a necessity. And it's foolish to think that women perform worse at games. It's a mental and very lightly physical thing. It's not something that has to do with muscle mass or brain development. And I'm not saying those are things that have anything to do with a female's performance. So again, please just bear with me here. Ultimately, gaming has zero bearing on ability, whether you're male or female. That said, 48% of gamers in the U.S. are female. Let me restate it for the people in the back. 48% of gamers in the United States are female. Half of gamers are female. That means there are just as many dudes playing games as there are ladies, lady dudes. So the reason that this kind of sparked, and I like that Slow Blow brought this up, and this is part of why I'm mentioning this specifically, is When I was playing the Battlefield 5 closed alpha on stream, I had to deal with some severe sexism levied at women, not towards me because I am a white cis het male. So I don't get a lot of that. I get a lot of I get a lot of vitriol for other reasons, but we won't get into that because I am not a victim here. And that that's just neither here nor there. I don't want to detract from my point. There was also racism involved here, but I'm 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 brushing that aside. Not that it, it should be brushed aside. It's garbage and it shouldn't be done, but it doesn't again, it doesn't apply. And I'm not trying to muddy my point by bringing in other uh, topics that definitely need to be discussed, but I'm not quite there yet for this show, this publication. So a lot of the sexism was levied at the fact that they included a female on the game on the cover of the game and that there were females in the game. And it was quite humorous to me because I got a lot of that. It's not historically accurate. Uh, it, it hurts. Uh, a lot of these complaints is interesting because women played a huge role in World War Two, a massive role. And I got Oh, I knew I know they did. I know they did. And to me, that says, then why were you saying it in that way? Why were you saying that it's not historically accurate because there's women and it? it makes zero sense? You're literally your whole argument hinges on the fact that historically there were not women in World War Two and you're wrong. You are incorrect. One hundred percent. Some even fought on the front lines in combat. Let's go into this. OK, let's dig into the history because this is my favorite is my bread and butter, baby. Let's do this. All right. So. In the U.S., 
Nearly 350,000 women ended up serving in the military, in the Women's Auxiliary Army Corps, the Navy Women's Reserve, the Marine Corps Women's Reserve, Coast Guard Women's Reserves, Women Air Force Service Pilots, or WASPs, Army Nurse Corps, and the Navy Nurse Corps. In Great Britain, women were expected to perform the same to Excuse me. Let me start that one over. In Great Britain, women were expected to perform to the same standard as men in the same roles. While they were unable to participate in the frontline combat, which was a rule placed down by the British government at the time, they manned anti-aircraft guns and other defenses, and they shot down German planes when they came to bomb Britain. They did the same training as the men. They lived in the same conditions as the men, and they did the same roles as men outside of frontline combat. Okay? Are, are, are we making sense here? Women played a crucial role for the U.S. and Great Britain during the war. That's not all, though. We're not done here, okay? Let's take a look at one more of the Allies. Let's look at the Soviet Union. They had women in main army units, and they had more than 800,000 women serving in the Soviet armed forces. Soviet armed forces during the war. And that's about 3% of their total military personnel. 300,000 served in anti-aircraft units, firing guns and performing all of the other functions in those batteries. That means maintenance, cleaning, preparation, loading, moving, everything. They were utilized as pilots. They saw combat as pilots. It was limited, but there were still female pilots. And they saw combat in infantry and armored units. Not to mention the badass Soviet female snipers. So let's talk about Lyudmila Pavlchenko. And if you've never heard of her, she set a record for killing 309 Germans as a Soviet sniper. Huh. I guess women weren't in the war after all, huh? <laughs> that aside... Let's not forget that this is a triple A video game intended to be a combat action extravaganza. It's supposed to be entertainment. It's not historically accurate to a T and it's not intended to be. It does follow some historical accuracies, but there are a lot of anachronisms in these games in general. The fact that there are red dot sites and things like that. It, I don't think those were a thing. I, I, I mean, I could be wrong. But I don't think those were a thing. I mean, we have modern scopes in these because it makes it a more it makes it easier to shoot the gun. So if you're looking for a historically accurate shooter, may I recommend Ostfront or Red Orchestra? Those are pretty, pretty damn accurate, if I do say so myself. So from my point of view, where I'm sitting right now, inclusivity doesn't change the fun for me, including women doesn't change the fun. I love history, especially around the World War II era. It's one of my favorite things to study. But it always cracks me up because every time that something like this happens, looking at uh, Battlefield 5 as the prime example, out of the woodwork crawl these quote-unquote history experts that want to point out all these quote-unquote facts and are often completely wrong. It's quite amazing to me because in World War II, there were also female resistance fighters. There were people who there were females who picked up guns to defend their lands. There were a lot of women who fought in uh, the war. Hands down. Simple as that. That is fact. 
So let me ask to the people who cry historical accuracy or even even those who are upset by the fact that there are just women in the game in general. Does allowing other players to self-identify with the characters in a game hurt your fun? For an example, if a, if a woman is playing the game and playing a woman character, a woman avatar makes her feel more immersed and enjoy the gameplay more. Does that hurt your fun? Does that make it less fun for you? Does it hamper your enjoyment of the game if there are other races? What about gay people or trans people or disabled people? Doesn't make a difference to me, but in fact, I would say it makes it better for me. It makes it more exciting because there are a lot of new stories that can be told from those perspectives that we have not heard. It's refreshing to learn new stories and learn things from other people's perspectives. It helps you grow as a human. That's how we grow, learning from each other, telling stories, sharing things, giving each other knowledge of our own struggles and what we've dealt with in our lives. I think it's nice to not play as generic white guy protagonist number 4535 in every game ever known to man right now. I'm exaggerating. Please forgive me there. But that said, in the last umpteen years, there have been a lot of white male generic protagonists that have been completely uninteresting and completely unflavorful. And they could have been interesting written as maybe from a female perspective or from a a different race's perspective even. So why is it so hard for us to accept that there are a variety of people in this world? There's such a huge breadth of people from different races and cultures and gender identities and sexual identities. You name it. I mean, how how are we missing this? There's just so much vitriol that I see levied at Battlefield five because they included a woman on the cover. And. Yes, I'm simplifying a bit, but that's the crux of it from what I've seen is any time that people bring up the fact that there are women in World War Two, often these people who get silent. I've seen it dozens of times on Twitter where people say it's not historically accurate. And then somebody posts a link that contains all of the uh, badass female snipers in World War Two and no response. It's it's just fascinating to me. What about it is negative? Battlefield is not intended to be a historically accurate game. It's a video game aimed at entertainment first and foremost. It's mind boggling. I mean, just blows my mind, just makes my mind want to jump out of my head, scramble around into a jigsaw puzzle and then jump back in. That so many people have taken to their platforms of choice, whether it be Twitter, Twitch, Facebook, uh, YouTube to brigade against something as simple as having women in a game and you know saying it's quote unquote historical accuracy that they're interested in i don't know a lot of this just seems to me to stem back to that whole tribalism gatekeeping thing gaming was for a very long time a quote unquote boys club because the number of women that gamed was very small up until the last 10 years, and it's grown hugely, substantially in the last 10, 15 years, which is awesome. I, for one, am so excited to see women in gaming 
developers, uh, um, uh, personalities on Twitch, uh, running companies, starting their own indie development groups. I mean, it's incredible to me. And I'm so excited that, that that's a thing. And it's that boys club mentality that continues today. And let me give you another interesting perspective. There's a game developer. I can't remember his name. And honestly, I don't want to give him the limelight because he's kind of a scumbag. But he said something along the lines of the reason that uh, that women are not uh, involved in gaming because um, uh, they just uh, never have put forth the effort rather than it being something where men have excluded them for the most part because of this tribalism and gatekeeping, because it is what it is. It has happened. I've seen it in games. You get into a game and people, a female voice comes across and people are saying God awful things to them. Let me see your boobs do this. Oh yeah. That sort of thing. Have sex with me. It's not, I've heard it all and it's not acceptable and it is gatekeeping because what you're doing is your negativity is driving these people away or keeping them quiet. And that's not good. That's not a good way to learn and grow as a human. If not having women in video games is a hill that you want to die on. Okay, (laughs) go die on it. Charge to your death. I'm fine with that. All right. So now we got to ask. How can we change this? Oh, my God. That is the ultimate question. (laughs) It is a very broad topic there. And I guess the best thing that we can do is be an ally to these women that have been pushed out to any of the marginalized groups that have been pushed out, really. But because we're staying on topic, we're going to focus solely on women here. Be encouraging. Be accepting. When you hear someone saying something stupid about women in games or any other marginalized group, really, I I don't even know. Uh, Speak up. Say something. Call people out on their antiquated notions. Make them realize that what they're saying is flawed. It's not good. And it's tribalist gatekeeping. It can be done with respect. And you should be, in my opinion. But that's just me. If that's not your shtick, I'm not going to tell you how to live your life. But stand your ground and be sure that you are clear that what they're saying is wrong and harmful and why. We all benefit from diverse stories. We all benefit from unique perspectives. And none of this is hurting us. Wow. Okay. So that was a lot. (laughs) That was a lot to take in. And that was, I think, my longest episode so far, but I could be wrong. That said, thank you guys for listening. Wow. Okay. Let me uh, calm down a little bit here because that that, that topic always kind of gets me riled up. But I would like to say thank you so much for listening to the show. I really appreciate it. Please feel free to hit me up. If you have ideas for a show, I try to take ideas from Twitter and my Discord. You can find me on Twitter at insertcointim. Find me on Discord at discord.gg slash ICT. And of course, please check out the, po- the, the podcast, the live stream. The podcast is what you're listening to. The live stream at mixer.com slash insertcointheater. Thank you so much for listening and spending your time to digest my content. I hope you enjoyed it. 
It has been a real pleasure. And if you are interested in sponsoring the podcast, if you're interested in throwing some money my way uh, to help keep it going, just let me know. Uh, insert coin theater at gmail.com or there is a donation link on my mixer page mixer.com slash insert coin theater that said either way i just appreciate you listening i appreciate your time and i hope that if you agree disagree whatever i would love to hear your thoughts so please feel free to reach out to me and let me know what you think or what you'd like to hear me research and talk about in the future i hope you all have a lovely lovely time in on your upcoming week and I will talk to you all next episode. Oh, and as an aside, I almost forgot. The music during the ad read was Home Base Groove by Kevin McLeod from Incompetech.com. I had to give him some credit. And then the uh, the music here in the uh, outro is Sanctuary by my good friend Ben Burns, Abstraction. So please go check them out, abstractionmusic.com and Incompetech.com. Thank you so much. Thank you.